Well, good morning, church. Welcome once again. If we haven't met, my name is Carlos. And I'm Ilsian. So good to be with you. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Yay! Happy birthday, America. Um, we are so thrilled um, to, to be gathering with you on week one of chapter 32. This is the beginning. This is fresh. And before we uh, get into today, I just want to just, we want to give a quick shout out because if you were here in the room or even online, you had, last week, you had an amazing experience. How wonderful was the send-off for Jared and Ann? Can we thank the team effort that it took to pull that together? That was amazing. It was pretty amazing. And just uh, like Mikhail uh, did the invites early on today, but if you weren't here, we're just inviting you. Installation services next Sunday. And what that means is they'll be praying for us, so we'll be official, official. We're unofficial now. (laughs) But next week, it'll be official. So we invite you to be a part of that. And then um, just want to remind you, if you are, you know, have a child, no children, we have e-kids, I think sign-ups are close, but if you want to help us, set up and tear down. I know that volunteers are still needed, so we'd love for you to participate in that. Talk to Kim today or Catherine. That would be awesome. Um, And just thank you, thank you for your generosity. We truly are grateful that you are a giving church and help us to do what God's called us to do here, near, and far. So thank you. All right. Well, we are starting a new series. We are. A new series called Promises. So how many of you promise to come back next week for the installation service? Let me see. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I saw those hands. So because we're starting a new series called Promises, um, and you already made a promise, right? How many of you guys ever made a promise that you can't keep? Hopefully not the same hands will be raised. (laughs) Oh, they are. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens next week. But see, the problem... um, Uh, There's a problem with promises. How many of you guys have been a recipient of a promise that somebody failed to keep? I think all of us, right? Yeah, same. And see, the problem with promises is that they are easily spoken, but just as they're easily spoken, they're easily broken. Yes, thank you. You knew where where I was going with that. And we... We know that 80%, well, hopefully, you know, if you don't know, this is, what, this is the statistic, 80%, nearly 80% of people that make a New Year resolution, a promise to themselves, end up breaking it. Guilty. Who would say guilty? Guilty of that. Jump in there, done that. See, I've uh, yet to exercise consistently this year. Pray for me. <laughs> we know that promises are hard. That's one thing we know about promises. We also know that promises can tend to create this gap between expectation and reality. Mm -hmm. Now, you may have caught this documentary, I think it's a few years old now, on this festival called the Fire Festival. Anyone catch that Fire Festival documentary? Was I the only one that got sucked into that? Maybe I'm one of you, right? A few of us, right? If you haven't heard of the Fire Festival, it happened a few years ago, and it promised a pretty incredible experience. It said, hey, if you buy tickets to the Fire Festival... You are going to have exclusive access to an island paradise experience where you're going to have a luxury stay, gourmet meals, and the uh, top-notch artists are going to come and perform for you and your friends. Well, I'm talking about the Fire Festival because there's a documentary that was made out of it, right? All that to say is they didn't deliver Those that bought tickets ended up staying in what looked more like tents, 
and the foods look more like uh, Lunchables. <laughs> yeah. And so these, these people that were um, unfortunately a part of this, they had this gap between what was promised and what was experienced. And that's one of the problems with promises. Not only that, it, we tend to be as human beings, we tend to be emotional. And so when we experience big emotions, we tend to make big promises. Big emotions lead or inspire big promises. You know, this thought uh, made me realize of a moment that I had, um, that we had uh, four, uh, four yep. years ago. I was there. Yes, Ilsin was there, and I was so glad that she was there because I'm talking about the day of our wedding. We have a picture of that. Now, um, as, yes, yes. So on our wedding day, we, uh, we decided uh, to craft our ceremony, and I wanted to really include foot washing, and it was yeah, kind of a I last... Wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about it, Ilse, but... Ilse was not thrilled about it, but, you know, she, she, she uh, allowed me to, to be a part of it. And so for me, um, I, I felt like, you know what, I want to do this as symbolic of, of, of my commitment to always serving her, right? We see Jesus do this with his disciples, and it's this picture of servant leadership or service. And so, um, I, you know, it was me on, uh, on the day of of our wedding, and I wanted to be uh, a husband that represented Jesus in our marriage. Pretty ambitious, I know, right? <laughs> and so uh, Ilsian uh, allowed me to do this, um, and it was a pretty big moment. The whole day, of course, was full of emotions, but um, I was imagining what if I was swept up in the big emotions of this moment? What if, as I was washing my beautiful bride-to-be's feet, um, and looking at her beautiful eyes, I began to make promises. I thought you were going to say bunions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know better than to say anything like that. Right? What if I began to promise more than that moment? What if I said something along the lines of, Ilsian, as your husband, you can expect to come home to a foot washing every day that we're married. What if I made a big promise because of that big emotion? Now, nobody asked how many times in the last four years I've actually washed her feet. Please, don't, all right? Because that's what we tend to do. Our big emotions tend to lead to big promises. And um, I just want to just note one last thing about that moment. Um, you know, this day represented a beautiful day, but it also represented a big expense. How many of you know weddings are expensive? So expensive that I couldn't even afford socks, if you notice that. <laughs> the budget did not include socks. Right? <laughs> so um, we as humans, uh, we make promises all the time, and many times those are well-intended. Most promises are, come from a place of good intentions. But the problem is that sometimes we lack the ability to fulfill them. Mm -hmm. I've described it as we are all will, but low skill. And it's this combination of being willing and being excited and making promises and lacking the ability to do so that lead to broken promises. And we know that broken promises, they have an effect. Mm -hmm. yeah. They can disappoint us, 
like some of our Pac-12 teams are disappointing us this week. Or they could lead to disillusionment and distrust, or maybe they could even give fuel to future doubt, and, and it could be towards a people, a person, a person you're in a relationship with. It could be doubt towards a group or even an institution. That is what broken promises do. And at worst, broken promises, they can actually inflict, inflict pain on those that are expecting these promises to be kept. For example. So I was uh, getting ready to go to college. I had taken a year off after high school um, because I ended up not receiving financial aid and uh, grants for college my first year. So I had to work um, and save up. And, my, and my, my goal was like, I'm gonna save up for a whole year for a car, right? Cause I was, school was far from home. So I was gonna, I was gonna commute. And um, so I saved up, you know, all this money to buy a car. And then when I realized that my tuition wasn't gonna get covered by grants or scholarships, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna invest in my education first. So I decided to do that. And my dad, you know, he said, well, if you graduate college, I know, a lot of belief in me, um, I will buy you a car. And so I was like, oh, okay. And you know, for some reason, I really believed my dad. I thought, okay, that's awesome. I, you know, I'm gonna do it. And I did. I, worked hard for four years and, you know, not to brag, because I'm really, like, my greatest fear when I went to college was I'm not smart enough. Mm -hmm. And just to, like, show you how faithful God is, I actually made Dean's List, like, three times in a row. I was, like, so proud of myself. I was, like, that is the Lord. Um, but so, so here I was in college finishing. Graduation day came, but the car didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I really was heartbroken that my dad didn't come through and what he said he would do you know and and I'm so grateful that the story doesn't end there and you'll hear more about it later but here's what I know about the power of a promise empty promises really hurt but fulfilled promises heal and bring joy and as Christians as people that are saying we are going to follow Christ we're going to be believers in Jesus. Christians are people who live on promises. Mm -hmm. That's what we do as Christians. And see, I love the, the etymology of the word promise. It means a, a forward sending. It is this forward sending, a promise into the future, something you speak into the future. And so what if there were promises that can't be broken or promises made were promises kept? And see... We see that in 2 Corinthians 1, and that's where we're going to read today. But before we get there, we see that Paul, the author of Corinthians, writes to the Corinth church. And there are some really messed up things happening, so he's trying to bring correction um, to that church. So in the midst of that, he tells them, I'm going to visit you on my way to Macedonia, and I'm going to visit you on my way back. But something happens. There is a change of plans, so Paul doesn't make it. So they're calling him out. This is the context of this verse. They are calling him out for being a guy that says yes and then no because he didn't come through like he said he would. So let's pick up that reading in verse 19, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, verse 19 through 22, and it'll be on, on screens if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app. But it says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, and Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no. 
But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. There is so much good stuff in those two verses, and we're actually going to be unpacking those here in this series. Um, But first, we want to just start with some observations, uh, particularly in verse 20, where Paul says this. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? They are yes in Christ. And so it would do us good to ask, uh, what promises is Paul referring to? Well, we know through study and cross-reference of another verse, specifically Romans 15:8, that Paul is actually talking about the promises made to the patriarchs, the promises made to the fathers. And if you want to have a broader stroke of that, you can say we, we, Paul is referring to the promises made in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of God's promises, but there are some that we want to be particular about. Um, Consider with me for a moment the story of Abraham and how God made specific promises to him. Consider later the nation of Israel being being, um, formed through the leadership of Moses and how they received their set of promises. And then as the history of the Israelite people moves on, uh, the King David uh, who also gets promises. And what Paul is saying is this. He is saying that Jesus, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those promises. That they are yes in him. In other words, Jesus, he checks all the boxes. Now, Abraham was promised that he would have an offspring that would bless all the nations. Now, we know that Jesus, he is a blessing to us believers, his church, but he also offers salvation, forgiveness to anyone who wants it. Jesus is an open-handed blessing to all nations and thus fulfilling the promise to Abraham that through his offspring, all nations will be blessed. Amen? Amen. Consider the the relationship that God had with Moses and the nation of Israel, and he gave him his laws. He said, if you obey these laws, you will have the the privilege to represent me on planet Earth. You will be my people. Can Can I just suggest to you today that there has not been a better representative of God than Jesus Christ? Not only did he come and represented him, he represented him Perfectly, For it says that whatever the Father shows me, whatever the Father tells me, I do. Mm. Jesus checks that box. And then lastly, this wonderful promise given to King David, a man after his own heart. God promised him, he says, you will have a descendant that will establish a kingdom that will last forever. Well, we see through Matthew 1st through the uh, one that we study that it is Jesus who comes out of the lineage of David. And we know, we believe that Jesus right now sits at the right hand of the Father and he is 
established in his throne that will not pass away. Jesus is the everlasting king promised to David. And so why is Paul, why, how can Paul have the faith or, or, or the, 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 the ambition or the audacity to say that no matter what, how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are true. They are fulfilled. They are completed. They are kept in him. Verse 19 says, it has always been yes. And so my other observation on this is that it says that through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And see, Jesus is the amen of God. In Revelation 3.14, it talks about that he is the amen of God. He is the faithful and true witness. So what does this mean? He is God's yes to us and our yes to God. See, in the promise, there is a spoken uh, that comes from him to us, but there's also a response from us to him. And so it is in this that we see that. And the truth is that Jesus is true and he is faithful. So this is the bottom line. Jesus is the premise to the promise. See, in Webster's Dictionary, one of the examples used under the word uh, premise is that if the premise is true, then the conclusion must be true. In other words, Jesus is the ground. Jesus is the basis of the promise. So the promise can stand. Jesus is the foundation, the rock, so the promise can stand. And so, friends, Jesus is true, and the one who promised him is true. And Numbers, it reminds us that it says that, that God is not a man that he should lie, but that what he says, he will do. And see, I love that also um, in, in Joshua, we read that he is the one. It says that not one of God's promises has failed us. Not one of them. And I love that he will do what he said he would do for his people. Consider the time of the fulfilled promise that from Abraham to Jesus, we know that there were 42 generations. 42 generations that we can confidently say that God has kept to his word. 42 generations deep. That's why when Tim led us in worship and he says he is faithful for a thousand generations, 42 is just a warm-up, right? God is faithful generation after generation. So if, if, if you uh, have any doubt that God will continue to be faithful to his church, here we are, a 90-plus-year-old church. That's amazing. That's something to celebrate, that we are a 90-plus-year-old church. And we have seen God's faithfulness in the last 13 years, where we stand here at the beginning of chapter 32, confident that that same faithful God will be faithful in this new season. And so we anticipate his goodness. We anticipate that he will be good for his promises because we see that when God makes a promise, he also has a plan. Mm -hmm. When God promised Abraham, he already knew Jesus was coming to fulfill that promise. And so God, he isn't, he isn't like man or like others who promise based off of good intentions or just wishful thinking, when God makes a promise, he has the plan, the ability, the skill to complete it. If he speaks it, he intends 
to make it our reality. See, because for us, it's easy to speak words, right? It's easy, and, and it's easy to speak words without a plan or having every intention to fulfill what we said we would do. And sometimes we just talk to talk, you know? And so, but, but, but it's not like that with God. When, when he spoke, a world was created. And it says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. He is faithful to his word. And it is in his words that we can build our life and root our community in. See, some of you are walking into a story that God began here at this faith community that we call Evergreen in Hillsborough, Oregon. See, it began in the 1920s, and maybe um, some of you are here for the first time. Some of you have been here for previous chapters, and today we are commencing chapter 32 as the 32nd pastor should be given this privilege to lead this faith community, and we stand on this promise. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is faithful. He has been faithful. And he will continue to be faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. And our mission continues to be to help people find and follow Jesus here, near, and far. So see, although God's promises always come with a plan... His plan doesn't look like we expect it to look, right? And so the people had been promised a Messiah, a Savior. They expected a king in royal garments. And what the promise looked like was a baby in swaddling cloths on a manger. The promise is fulfilled but in an unexpected way. And so with these truths about how God promises and his faithfulness, we can have now a proper expectation, really of any promise. Before we react, before we plan, uh, before we respond to a promise, uh, it would be wise for us to classify it with a, a really simple question, and it's this, it's who said it? Who said it? And there's really only two categories to this question. The promise was either made by man or it was made by God. And we're here to to proclaim that if it is God who has said it and it's confirmed in his word, if it's written in the Bible, then consider it done. Mm. You can go all in. You can be fully confident on God's promises. Why? Because the Bible has a track record of having our best interest in mind. Do you know that? Do you know that the God of the universe has your best interest in mind? And this is why we can be certain that if God spoke it, then it is true. And it reminds me of uh, an experience we have as um, NBA fans. If you've been at Evergreen even a week, I will always bring up my love for the Golden State Warriors. I'm a fan of the NBA, right? I just can't help it, right? Jesus, Ilse and Charlie, Golden State Warriors, right? Some, right? Um, 
But there's this, there's this expert that if you're an NBA fan, you know of, and um, he's, he's an analyst, um, he's a commentator, he's an insider, that's the word I'm looking for, and his name, um, we all know him by Woj, W-O-J. Now, Woj is, is, uh, is important in the conversation of, of, of fans because anytime there are rumors of a trade, uh, there are there are rumors of, uh, of any kind of significant shift in the NBA, then we know as NBA fans that until Woj says it, until Woj tweets it, then it's unreliable. Right? And so if you hear about your team making some moves, you, you, you really ask the smart question is what, is, what has Woj said? Has Woj confirmed it? And I think of Woj because God, he's, he's the Woj of the universe. <laughs> God is the Woj of our reality. And so you and I, we need, we need to practice that wisdom. We need to ask ourselves when we hear a promise, we, we, we check the source. We, we say, hey, has, has, has God said this? Mm. Otherwise, uh, we don't get too excited. right? We don't start building our life on it. We act in wisdom, and, and it, this is important because we know that when man makes a promise, we hold that lightly. We respond in wisdom. We know when our family members say, hey, come to 4th of July with, uh, here at our house, and we'll have all the fixings, and we'll be on time, and it'll be perfect. We know that sometimes those plans don't work out. <laughs> and so when they call us and say, hey, can you bring uh, the drinks or the dessert, we don't freak out and say, you promised everything was going to be taken care of. <laughs> we don't react that way because we have an appropriate, balanced expectation of what man has said. And can the same not be true to things that are more significant than a gathering? What if we had the same expectations of some of these institutions, some of these leaders, um, some of these people in power that may have made some big promises? We as Christians... We don't get rattled when they let us down. Amen? We have proper expectations. That is why we can respond always in grace. When people let us down, when man lets us down, we can respond with grace and love and compassion. Because our hope is not on what man has promised. They're not woge. Right? Our hope is on the God of the universe. Mm -hmm. The one who has 100% track record of being true. And Jesus embodies his truth. He does. And, you know, one, I love that Paul starts the conversation and the focus is on him, on his yes and no. But then he points and focuses on Jesus and how Jesus is the yes and amen so how do we place our hope in what God has said, in his promises, right? Well, we need to remember this, that God's promises most often have a waiting period. Mm -hmm. And see, promises require patience. He is not slow. He is patient. And his timing is perfect, not late. But we don't understand his timing. And so I think it's a good thing to ask his Holy Spirit, right, 
who Jesus says was to be our helper, his Holy Spirit to remind us, what are those promises? What should I hang on to? By faith, right? And we, we re read that Abraham, by faith, he, we sang about it actually, by faith he held on to the promises. And so in the waiting, will you trust him? In the waiting, Will you wait for him to do what he said he's going to do? And see, I love the verse in Hebrews 6, 12 that says, Don't become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And see, sometimes we think the waiting is just crossing our arms or twiddling our fingers. Well, I'm just going to wait for God to do it. No. See, there's a partnership that you and I have with God. And in the waiting, it doesn't mean we do nothing. It means we actively look for him. We actively wait. And what does that mean? That we're like, okay, God, you said you would provide. I'm going to trust you. You said you would provide for a job. I'm going to trust you. And I am not only going to send my resume, but I'm going to go out there and look for something. You know, the waiting can look different than what we think. And sometimes, I remember there was a, season in my life where I was single as a Pringle, um, and I needed an apartment. I had been living in a house for, for like two years, and they said, okay, you know, we're going to sell the house, so you need to move out by this date. So I was like, okay. They told me in February. I was like, I have February. I have March to do it, um, and I think I needed to be out. I needed to be out by like the end of March, something. I don't remember, but by April, I knew that I needed an apartment. So I started looking. I was like, okay, God, you're going to provide. Started looking. Didn't find anything in my budget in L.A., so I was like, okay, I'm going to keep looking. And finally, I found something. And then at the last minute, the tenant decides not to move. So I was like, okay. And so April came and went, and I still didn't have an apartment. So I felt disappointed. I felt let down. I was upset. I was like, God, I thought you said you would always provide. Like, what's going on? I feel homeless. You know, and he did provide. My brother said, hey, come stay with us. We have a room. So I went to live with them for a bit, my brother and my sister-in-law. And my nephew at the time was only months old. So there was a lot of crying that happened. And as a single person, I was not used to that. But anyway, um, I'm a mom now and totally understand it. <laughs> but see, sometimes in the waiting, we are tempted to believe that God forgot. We are tempted to believe that he isn't faithful. And there's a fear that comes in the waiting, that he will not come through. But yet, if we hang on by faith. And see, what ended up happening is I finally found the apartment on May 1st. And I'm really bad with dates, but for some reason I remember that date. May 1st, I found the apartment. And it was at the exact same time that one of my other siblings was needing to move out. So he's like, hey, I have all this furniture I'm not going to need. Do you want it? And I was like, uh, yes. So see, God not only provided an apartment, he provided a fully furnished apartment because his timing is perfect. And Hebrews 10.23 reminds us, let's hold firmly the, to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So do you know what promises God has towards you? So I think we need to know them. And if you don't know them, I'll give you a big clue to where they are found. In the Bible. <laughs> in the book 
or in your Bible app. That is where God's promises are found. And see, God has a promise of salvation. God has a promise of deliverance. He will bring you out. He has a promise of redemption that he will restore. He has a promise of his presence that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. See, like I said before, Christians are people who live on promises. We grow on promises and we are sustained by promises. We are people that walk by faith and not by sight. And see, I love that, that promises with God are in the context of relationship. And see, in the Bible, we are invited to see God as a father. And I don't know what your experience with an earthly father has been, but you've heard a little bit of mine earlier. But as you recall, my, my dad broke his promise of getting me a car. But I love that though my papi fell short on his promise, my heavenly father steps in. And see, this is a crazy part of my story. God not only provided one car for me, but then when that one broke down, he provided a second car. And when that one broke down, because they were all used cars, right? That one broke down, he provided a third car. Three cars in a season of my life where ministry and singleness, that's where I was, so finances were limited. God provided. Now, I'm not saying you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not doing that. What I am saying, though, is that God is faithful to care for you and to provide for your needs. God is faithful. He is true to his word. And as a loving father, he loves to give his children good gifts. So you are the one that can benefit most from God's promises those that are in relationship with him. And so as we uh, gather uh, this morning as tradition, we have made it to share communion on the first Sunday of every month. And uh, if you are new here and, and you've never participated in communion, we find uh, this instruction in the Gospels. Jesus uh, commands us as followers to do this and as we we're preparing uh, to do that, if you, if you don't have it, please raise your hand because we'd love everyone to have an opportunity to participate in communion today. <clears throat> and as we're preparing our hearts and our minds, I want to offer uh, two thoughts. And the first one has to do with the bread, and I invite you to peel back and prepare to take the bread together. Because we know if we read this night spent with the disciples, we know that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And what that embodies is this, this truth that we put our faith in that Jesus gave up himself so that we wouldn't have to. The bread represents his broken body that he gave on behalf of many. This is past tense. This has happened. This promise that Jesus would sacrifice himself for us is a promise fulfilled. And so when we take the bread, we remind ourselves 
of what he's accomplished for us. And so let's do that together. invite you to pull back the second layer that reveals the juice that is representative of the cup that he passed to his disciples that night, symbolic of the blood that he would shed. And this is what I want to say about that, because there's this interesting line in Luke 22:18 that before they complete communion together. He says this, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. I believe that what Jesus is committing himself to is to wait on participating and drinking from the cup until he comes back to establish his kingdom here on earth. And so this is forward-looking now. The cup represents something that we are rooting ourselves on a promise that Jesus' work is not done yet. If If you're experiencing earth like me and you're saying, hey, it's not perfect down here yet, and that's because Jesus is still at work. The Bible has this amazing promise of a second coming. He will return again. And he's saying that I will not participate in this until I can do it with you. How incredible is that? When we take the cup, we look forward to a promise that Jesus has given us. A promise where there will be justice on earth where we will be able to live at peace, where we will not experience pain. There will be no tears. This is a kingdom that represents the king's values that we get to look forward to. And so I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day. So let's drink the cup together. And let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your promise still stands. We are people that believe you. And Lord, we pray that in areas where we don't believe, we pray, help our unbelief. Fill in the gaps that we have, Lord, that we would trust you with enough so that we would see your hand not only collectively as a church, but in our individual lives. We need you each and every day to show up and continue, Father, to allow us to see you for who you are. You are a faithful God. You have been faithful from the beginning. So I pray for every single person here that we would experience in chapter 32 more of your faithfulness that we would be people filled with hope based on your promises, not what the world offers, not what we can muster up, but what you have said you will do for your children whom you love. Let us experience your love. Let us be people who proclaim your love. Let us live in your love. We thank you that we get to be
your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.